Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode, hey Jewel. I am. Julie, I cannot stop thinking about the pictures of Travis Barker getting on the plane. No, same. It's all I've thought about. I know we'll get into this later, but I just feel like it's been something we have spoken about so much recently. And obviously for him, I am so happy because it's such a big deal in his own life. But on top of that, I feel like it's such a marker of his relationship with Courtney because I feel like if you're him, you are not doing that unless you are with somebody that you are so deeply comfortable and safe with. Oh, it's beyond. I think it's the biggest reflection of their relationship so far, actually. Yeah, it's a really big deal. I know we can save the conversation because we'll get into it later, but I have so many thoughts and questions. Yeah, same. Me too. The other thing I wanted to tell you guys is earlier this week, we spoke with Benny Drama and Mary Beth Barone. They have this podcast called Obsessed on Spotify. And so we had only about 30 minutes with them, but it was so much fun. We kind of wanted to do just a general pop culture breakdown with them. So it was less than an interview, but we obviously got into some interview type questions. It was just really fun. And I loved talking to them, didn't you? Oh, so much. We could have literally spoken for hours too. Like there's <laughs> so much to say and so many things that we all just are obsessed with and want to talk about. So yeah, it, to have only 30 minutes felt like a crime actually. I know. It's really fun when you have a guest. I know we don't have them that often just because it's not always enjoyable to do it virtually. Like we love having people in studio, but it's so nice when you get somebody on and before you even start recording, you just immediately vibe. Yeah, it's the best. Can I play them, Julie, the voice note? Yeah, but give them the backstory. <laughs> okay. I just have to tell you guys this before we start. So Andy Cohen has this new show. This is not an ad, I promise. <laughs> Andy Cohen has this new show called X-Rated on Peacock. And they had reached out to us asking if they could send a mailer. And I said, yes. And you know, I think it was some like oils and some sex related stuff because the show was very kind of relationship heavy and a little bit like, you know, risque. And I guess they had sent it to the city and I wasn't there. I've been in Jersey. So I get this voice note from my dad. I have to play it. I hope it comes through. Hold on. Emmy, I just got a call from the doorman in the city that there's a package sitting in front of the door for about a week now. I don't know what it is. Some kind of oil, some sex thing from Andy Cohn, Peacock. I'm not sure. Anyway, call me. Bye. (laughs) It gets me literally every time. I think that is one of the funniest things he's ever sent you. Okay. Well, anything else that you would like to mention before we get started? I think that's it. So let's start out with something that happened last week. I don't even want to go as far as to say that it was news because it was more so just a rumor that got energized. Do you think that's a fair way to put it? I think that's definitely correct. Yes. So I'm sure you all saw An insider had said to Closer Magazine that the recent Friends reunion, quote, stirred up feelings between Jen Aniston and David Schwimmer. 
So the internet went wild with that because at the reunion, when they had revealed that they had feelings for each other during filming, that set something off in and of itself. So this people felt like was additional confirmation and the memes were going crazy. I mean, I feel like we personally were losing it. And then a rep for David said to BuzzFeed News, you know, the rumors aren't true. The reports are completely inaccurate. So it was kind of like a collective sigh. But there were a few days there where Twitter was really running with it. I don't think I ever believed it, but I did enjoy the Twitter reaction to it and the Instagram reaction to it and the TikTok reaction to it. And that's always the best part of anything. But I don't think there was a piece of me that actually thought it was true. I will put it like this. I didn't not think it was true. I didn't wholeheartedly believe it. However, if it proved to be true, I don't think I would have been so surprised. No, it wouldn't have been the craziest thing in the world. Obviously, they both just confessed to having had feelings for each other a while back. They're both still single. Like it it could have logistically made sense. I just didn't believe it. And I wanted a little bit more confirmation. And with the source that it came from and like the lack of pickup that it had from other news sources, I was like, okay, I think we're going to have to admit that this one might just be a wash, but we can watch it closely. Well, it's funny because a few weeks ago when we were talking about JLo and Ben, it was after the yacht photos. And we were saying how the only relationship rekindling we can personally envision that would have this type of reaction is Jen and Brad. And we got a lot of messages saying, yeah, we agree, but also Jen and David. And I hadn't really thought of it in those terms. And then when these rumors you know, really started to surface, you did see what the public reaction would be. And people were right. It was very enthusiastic. Yeah, no, people would have died for it. I mean, first of all, their relationship on Friends was so iconic in and of itself. And I think that at the time, there were probably a lot of people that wanted them to be together off screen. I'm sure that was a very rapid discussion at the time. And so I think after hearing that they both had crushes on each other, and it was definitely deeper than just like, oh, we like each other. Like there was the part of the Friends reunion where they were talking about like how after filming they would cuddle on the couch and they would they were so close, but they never crossed that line. And I think that once people heard that, they were like, oh my God, this has to happen now that they're both single and they've both admitted that to each other. So I think when that story came out, it was like all of that coming to fruition and people just ran with it. I think that Brad and Jen getting back together would be a bigger deal. I think it would send bigger shockwaves, but there's nothing tainted about the relationship with David. So people maybe would have wanted that a little bit more potentially. Yeah. I think people maybe would have been more supportive of it one because of that, but also I think there's a lot of truth to the fact that when friends went off the air, you know, of course people still watch and it's such a part of their lives and such a comfort for so many people, but there would be nothing more like feeling like it still existed when two of the characters who had such this ongoing love story actually connected in real life. Because in so many ways, you then feel like you're getting this continuation of friends, something that you did mourn the loss of in a way. So there's that kind of you know TV layer that is intertwined through all of it that I don't think can be completely ignored. Oh, absolutely. Also, I saw this right before we started recording, but I guess JLo unfollowed A-Rod on Instagram as of now, he still follows her. And as of the time we're recording this, both Ben and JLo don't follow each other. I know we typically don't like to put so much thought into the follows of celebrities because at times it's so random, but it's just an interesting point to note that she did unfollow him. Yeah, it was interesting. I don't think that he'll ever unfollow her, if I'm being honest. It's funny you say that because I feel like, think about pre-JLo for a second. And we've spoken about this before. 
when you thought of A-Rod, I don't think it was definitely in the kindest terms. Like he definitely had the reputation of being kind of an asshole, being, you know, very self-centered. And what's interesting about the way that the whole JLo thing has gone down is that it seems as though he's operated from like no place of pride. Like if you're a guy that historically has operated strictly from your ego, when you break up with your fiance and right after she's rekindled with her ex, one would think that it would be a very common thing to do to unfollow her almost as a sign to the public of like, I'm over this. I'm not saying that's the correct thing to do at all. I'm just saying if we're going to operate as somebody who has done what A-Rod has done historically, that would be a very normal path. And he's not handled this from a place of pride at all, which I do find surprising. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure the way in which he's handled this. I I can't like get a good enough read for it, but I just think in terms of not unfollowing her, I mean, listen, maybe he may now after he saw that she did, like maybe as sort of a retaliation thing, he will unfollow her potentially. He just strikes me as the type of guy that likes to keep tabs. (laughs) You don't say. So like, and I, I just, because of that fact, I think that following her is less about pride, less about their relationship or anything else, and more about just knowing exactly what she is up to. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the counter argument to that is that he could follow her very closely from a Finsta or any other accounts that aren't associated directly with his name. But it seems in this moment like he just doesn't care enough, which I I like that. I'm all here for that. It's just that's not what I would have pinned him as if we were talking about the same guy from five years ago. That's all. Right. I mean, listen, she also hasn't posted a ton of Ben content. She posted that one as the third slide of him and that's it. So maybe as time goes on, if the content increases and it's a lot of Ben and he just decides that he doesn't want to see it, he may unfollow her. But for right now, it's just a lot of her content. And I could see him being very happily, blissfully following her and seeing what she's up to. Yeah. He is thrilled to consume the solely JLo content, I would have to imagine. As we all are. Duh. I mean, he's nothing (laughs) special. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) One Britney update that we just wanted to quickly touch on. I know it happened last week, but it was kind of in between recordings. So back to July 14th for a second. That is when she got her new lawyer, Matthew Rosengart. And it does feel like since he's come on the team, things have been moving. And I personally feel like he's been moving the needle a little bit more than we've seen recently. Don't you? I definitely think so. I mean, I think everyone can agree on that. Yeah. So on Thursday, it came out that Jamie Spears, her dad, had agreed to step down from his role. The filing says, quote, Mr. Spears is willing to step down when the time is right, but the transition needs to be orderly and include a resolution of matters pending before the court. And this was a response to Britney's lawyers who requested him to be removed. They denied it. And this was kind of Jamie's response saying, yes, he'll step down, but he wants to ensure a smooth transition. And Jamie's legal team kind of still insists on the fact that he's the best person for the role, but they basically just don't want to have a public feud. I'm going to read you what the lawyer said, quote, nevertheless, even as Mr. Spears is the unremitting target of unjustified attacks, he does not believe that a public battle with his daughter over his continuing services, her conservator would be in her best interest. So that was kind of the most recent thing. You know, her mom's attorney came out and said that she's really happy with this decision, but I just feel like Yes, I know it hasn't happened yet, and I'm sure that the time from him saying he's willing to it actually happening potentially could be lengthy, but this was a very big deal. Huge deal. I mean, part of the problem, though, was that 
this narrative really ran without explanation. So when the news story first broke, it was Jamie agrees to step down as conservator. What the story really is, is that in a timeline that is unannounced, he agrees that he will transfer power from his conservatorship role to somebody else's. So the narrative that really took a life of its own of him just stepping down was definitely not what the actual case was. So the clarification here is very important. Right. It's like she is fully still under this conservatorship. However, hopefully soon he will not be involved in it, which in and of itself is a very big win. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he is like priority number one is obviously getting him out. Priority number two is getting rid of the conservatorship as, you know, that is what Brittany wants. And the main thing that she said was the conservator abuse under him. So to get rid of him is really a huge part of this battle, but it's not the whole battle. Yeah, exactly. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. We know this isn't news technically, but if you are anything like us, your For You pages on TikTok have become absolutely overtaken by University of Alabama rush. And it is to the point where we felt like it's made enough of kind of a cultural impact that we have to just spend a few minutes talking about it. Don't you think? I have to. I'm going to combust if I don't actually. (laughs) Okay. The best way to start this is there was this article in the cut by Mia Mercado called Time to Get Invested in Bama Rush. And we just put in a few paragraphs because it paints a really nice picture. If you're completely unfamiliar with this, it does. But even if you aren't, I think it helps to kind of put into words what we are all collectively feeling. Because at the end of the day, it is a little bit confusing, even if you're like us, why you're so enthused. Like I was asking myself the same question, why do I care so much? And I like the way that this article kind of gave some reasoning to that. Yeah. Okay, she starts. Do you wish to live vicariously through upper middle class opulence? Do you want to feel like you just went on a suburban mall shopping spree with your college besties? Are you in search of something to satiate your desire for a little yeehaw? Then allow me to introduce you to Bama Rush TikTok. These videos of University of Alabama students showing off their outfits during sorority rush week have taken over the For You page, and I'm sure you, a person with probably zero connection to Alabama, its university, and its sororities, have questions. Let's discuss. First of all, that is speaking to my soul. Uh, I know. Okay, she continues. And the Bama Rush TikToks, what are they? 
They're essentially outfit of the day videos where PNMs talk through what they're wearing and where they got each item. It's worth noting that not all the Rush videos are from University of Alabama students. Among the most popular videos, one that appeared to ignite the trend, is from someone rushing at Georgia State University. Regardless, the slight Southern drawl paired with an energy best described as, quote, summer camp meets beauty pageant, makes for, in my opinion, a bizarrely mesmerizing experience. Yes, it fucking does. This is so exactly how I feel, right? Exactly, right? Okay, final question, she asks. Okay, but why are they all over my For You page? Because they're like a mini reality show we get to experience in real time. Will Hannah Lynn get the bid for Kappa Delta? Will McKenna Lee get Chi Omega? The suspense is palpable. For some, the videos are nostalgic. For others, they're a look into a world we didn't even really know existed. There is, of course, a much more darker, more insidious side to Greek life. From TikTok alone, it's hard to not notice just how white these sororities are. Plus, being exclusionary and straight-up racist is deeply embedded into the dogma of many of these groups. Still, it's hard to look away from these videos. It's only because they feel like the sparkly, cheery surface of something far more hellish. Tell me this recruitment video isn't a few white tunics away from a cult. Wow. I am obsessed with every aspect of the Bama TikTok because there are so many layers to it. There are so many layers and I want to break them down. I think I just want to say that we we always talk about the feeling of internet camaraderie. And the reason that I felt this was even on a higher level was because Oftentimes, people band together when it's something that there already would seemingly naturally be a public interest in. For example, when it's rumored that you know Jen and David are together, yes, of course, there was a major sense of internet camaraderie. However, like of course there was. These are two of the most famous actors that had this longstanding romance in a show. You would never think this type of camaraderie from celebrities and regular people alike would come together over the University of Alabama rush. Well- Yes, exactly. But I think if you're watching the Bama Rush, there are three kind of groups that you fit in. Either you are a part of Bama Rush, so you fully understand the process of what people are talking about. And it's interesting to watch because you can relate to it and you lived it or any other sort of Southern sorority rush. It's it's very similar kind of across the board, but Bama stands out, I think. That or you were in a sorority in a non-Southern school and your rush experience was so different that you're so fascinating watching the contrast between what you experienced and what they are going through. And I think the third is you weren't a part of it. This is a completely foreign concept to you. And to watch people go through this process is something that you couldn't in a million years imagine was actually as real as it was specifically with Bama Rush, because it stands out so much across the board as being like, a different level of sorority rush. So I think the fascination is so multifaceted across the board that you either can't believe it's real or you know it's so real that watching the rest of the world discover it for the first time is unbelievable to you. Yes, that part was thrilling, I have to say. And I obviously you and I were both in a sorority. I wouldn't say that our experiences were nearly as intense as that, but having some sort of understanding of what they're doing, you view it differently. But I think also just general, no matter what your level of kind of like education to the system is going in, it is the reality show part of it. Because, you know, yeah, you you become attached to it conceptually, but then you also start to wonder about the key players and what's going on and what's the drama and why were certain people dropped and is there reasons that we don't know and is it going to come out? And you know, then you all of a sudden start to not just follow the entire process, but 
you start to become drawn to certain individuals and you want to follow their journey. And you now know that maybe this fame that they've gotten from this experience is going to take them into their own career as an influencer. And so it's just, you know, I feel like we talk about this a lot, how people's fame originates in really interesting and kind of weird places now. And so we've had enough experience on TikTok, with TikTok, I mean, to know that it can be the most bizarre situation that somebody can get really famous from and then maintain that fame. So I think we almost watch this, aside from everything else that you and I both just listed, which is very real, almost with the eyes of like a casting agent of like, no, this girl's going places. And we're going to say that her rise to fame all came from Alabama Rush TikTok. And that is thrilling in and of itself. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the other thing is we talk about this so much with TikTok where this is the only platform where this sort of thing could ever potentially even take place. And we've spoken about this a lot with different events that have happened on TikTok where we say like, it's unbelievable that even if your For You page has nothing to do with any of your other friends, you have never had Sway House, you've never had Hype House, you get a lot of DIY videos. Like there are certain videos like this that make their way to your For You page. And now everybody is watching it and it has nothing to do with their initial interests. It's just unfolding like a reality show and everyone's getting kind of their own dose of it. And so like, for example, when Netflix put up whatever documentary it is, let's say it's Cheer, for example, like you are watching these characters, but you're watching them in a set way. You're watching their plot lines unfold and their character development unfold. And you're waiting for them to go to the cheer competition at the end and you have so much anxiety about it but you're watching it exactly in the way that they intended for you to watch it when you're watching something unfold on tiktok like this it's like there's no rationale or sense into how you're getting the information you're getting but somehow not only you is getting it everyone you're talking to is getting it and you're getting different pieces of it and you're talking about the pants store and you're talking about where all of these girls got their outfits for russia are and like what houses you want at a school that you're not familiar with so it unfolds like a documentary in kind of a way where you are fed something that you have no control over it is so fascinating exactly it is so fascinating and i think also the fact that I'm trying to think the best way to say it, but the fact that you and the algorithm can kind of work together because the second you start engaging more with the videos, it is showing you more of them. So personally for me, I initially didn't really have that much interest. And then as my interest started to grow, naturally, of course, I spent more times viewing the actual videos. I started liking them and I was just getting flooded with them more and more, never to the point where it felt overwhelming. Because again, to your point on TikTok, you're still being fed other content in between. But it was kind of like, I felt like my rise in the interest was obviously directly correlated with what TikTok was feeding me. And it was this very kind of symbiotic relationship where it never felt like I was taking time out of my day to check in and see what was going on with these girls. It was just like, okay, in my general time of consuming TikTok content, I am going to get caught up on Bama Rush. And that was really cool. Yeah. There's just something about everybody talking about the same thing that you never in a million years thought you would be talking about that really gets me. Like, Uh, The camaraderie of it is just another level. And I cannot even imagine what it feels like to be in Bama Rush because I think that you either have this feeling of, yeah, we know this is crazy and like the rest of the world is only discovering it. But like the amount of craze that Rush at Bama, you know, hypes up is deserving of the entire world's attention. Or you're like, I cannot believe that we just started doing these outfit of the day videos to show our Rush experience. And now Barbara Corkin is making a video about how she's on Bama Rush TikTok. 
Well, that's the other thing. You know, I think that I honestly was thinking about this as putting myself in the situation and against what you were saying earlier about like you view it from whatever your lens is going in. I remember rushing and obviously, you know, senior year was different because, you know, having more of like a leadership role. But I remember that it is an overwhelming experience. And I think that now the world is different where having TikTok fame or clout is is very desirable and that's what these people want. Personally, for me, I think that would have added so much pressure to an already really intense experience. You know, now you have like the quote world watching. And I think for most of these, you know, young women, they love it because it's it's cool, I guess. But I kind of was thinking on like a human level, celebrities are invested in that. Like that seems a little bit scary when you just want to make sure you get into a house, don't you think? I mean, for me, terrifying. Like even thinking back on my own experience, like I could not imagine doing it. But with that being said, I can picture a lot of girls during Rush that would have absolutely eaten this shit up. Eaten it up. It's, you know, the other thing is I know that if you're watching this and you like haven't had experience with Greek life or, you know, looked down upon it or something, it seems as if they think that this is the biggest thing in the world, right? Like what they're gearing up for, for prep or these different rounds, like, why do you think it's such a big deal? I remember what that was like. It does feel like the biggest thing in the world. You do want to make sure that you feel like your outfit looks perfect and that, you know, you feel so confident going in. Like in that moment, it does feel like the world is really small and like everything, you know, just exists within your one day of rounds. And I just so clearly it was not to the same level at all, but I I do really relate to that feeling of like, this is a huge day in my life. And I don't know, it just, it's, it's just wild. Well, I also think it goes to the entire Greek organization at specific schools. Like for example, at Bama, listen, I obviously don't get, go there. I never went there and I don't really have a lot of friends that went there, but from everything I understand about it, like your Greek life is really centric to your social life at school. And I can remember that feeling of when we were rushing of being like a lot of people thinking like, okay, if I don't get into this house, there goes my social life. It really does feel like, and whether that's true or not, it does feel like the weight of that is really dependent on rushing, especially if you wanted to be in a sorority. If you didn't, and you already went in with the mindset of like, this is not for me. I'm going to kind of pave my own way and find my own social life and my own way that I fit into the ecosystem of college, then that's a whole other story. And there are so many people obviously that can do that. But when you have this mindset of like, my entire college experience is going to be based off being part of the Greek system. It's not just, it doesn't just feel like your day to day. It feels like your entire college experience is riding on this. So that's why it's so unbelievable to me that these girls are doing these videos because it's not just stressful about the house. Like you I think that for a lot of them, they probably feel like this is their college, like their entire college experience is about to boil down to how well they do during these rounds and what their outfit looks like and if people respond well to it. So it's so fascinating to watch that kind of with the understanding of that lens. I saw a tweet that basically said like, there are girls at Alabama that will put down deposits at other schools so that if they don't get the house they want during Bama Rush, they'll just transfer, which is obviously insane. I mean, I cannot even imagine that. I can't even imagine my parents agreeing to that on any level. But it's such a part of the culture that for some people, that's not the craziest thing. And that's what is so hard for other people to wrap their heads around too. 
Oh, yeah, like the understanding that to them, the stakes really are that high to the point where transferring feels like a more feasible option than not entering Greek life, which, yes, obviously to you and I, that is something that is kind of hard to wrap our minds around. But for a lot of these people, it's real. And I mean, I think we made this very clear, but just to say there is absolutely nothing wrong with not being in Greek life. And I think for so many people, it was the best thing they ever did. I personally have friends that did rush, didn't get the sorority they wanted, and weren't in it and were so much happier that they weren't because they realized it was never meant for them. And I think that there's a lot of truth to the whole mindset of like, if a house doesn't want you, then it was never the right house for you because you want to be in a house where people respond to your energy and connect with you and are excited about your presence. And so it's less about a reflection on you. It's more so this was clearly not a good connection, but I think in the moment it's hard to understand that. So the pressure is just on. It's just wild. And it was really a, a very interesting kind of like mini corner of the internet to be a part of. And I'm personally really glad that it happened because it was just a fun time. I loved it. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and obviously really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends. So I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. So these photos come out of Courtney and Travis boarding Kylie Air with Chris and Corey on their way to Cabo. And I said in the introduction, but I kind of downplay it a little until we get to the Kardashian recap where you're only here if you actually care about this stuff. Let me just tell you, we fucking lost it. Like, I don't know if anybody else had that same reaction. I think a lot of people did based on our DMs, but this was a really, really big deal. This wasn't like you just care because you're a Kardashian fan and you love Courtney. And so then by extension of that, you care about Travis. This is like, this man had an absolutely life altering event in 2008. And 13 years later, he is doing something that he vowed to never do again in the best way possible. And I just think that we can all acknowledge how big of a deal that is. Oh, it's insane. I mean, listen, personally watching him do that, I was so excited for him. So happy for him because obviously after an experience like that, that first time doing it is the hardest. And once you're over that hump, the world kind of opens up for you. But I had, I can't even tell you how much anxiety watching him board that plane. Like uh, trying to imagine how he must have felt was overwhelming. Well, that's obviously you're coming from a place of you have a fear of flying yourself. So on top of what, you know, like you would feel as your average person, it's so deep within you that I'm, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. So you kind of, you know, you personalize it naturally. Yeah. But I think, well, a hundred percent that, but I think watching anybody do something where they are doing something again, after coming so close to dying from that same thing and having such 
a traumatic experience as a result of it. I mean, he had third degree burns on, I think, 65% of his body. He was in the hospital for close to a year. He had four people die in the crash. Like, that is something where obviously time goes on and you heal in certain ways. And he's spoken about that so much. But to put yourself back in that position is something that most people I don't think could do ever. No, I completely agree. He's, he is now the only survivor. Obviously, DJM also survived and then overdosed a few years after that. But I mean, this was 26 surgeries, his skin grafts, a, a lot of stuff. He had to relearn how to do so many kind of like basic tasks. And I really think that, let me be clear, he gets all of the credit for this. This was something that he decided to do and he did himself. So no part of me is giving that credit to Courtney. However, I do want to acknowledge I don't think that this would have happened without her presence. One could say, well, what if he was dating somebody else and they also were passionate about traveling? That could, totally could be the case. But I think there needed to be that person in his life, whether it be Courtney or someone else. In my opinion, I think it being Courtney herself did contribute to that, where it's like, I want to have this experience with you so badly. I feel so safe. I feel so comfortable with you. And to you are together, I have the strength to be able to do this. And I just... I really, I think it's a really beautiful thing. No, I do too. I think there's such an intensity to their relationship that I don't think this really had much to do with traveling. Like, I understand that Courtney loves to travel and I'm sure that it's something that Travis desires doing, but I don't think it was an overwhelming enough force for him to say like, okay, I've missed out on this many things by not taking a plane. Let me finally decide to do this with you. I think that they are such an intense couple and their connection and the things they do are so intense that this was one of those things where it was like, I find absolute safety in you and I want you to be a part of this experience that is something that I never thought in a million years that I could do. Like, I think it is so much more a reflection of their relationship and the intensity that they feel with each other than Travis's desire to go to Cabo. Oh, no, no, no. Of course. It had nothing to do about Cabo. I'm saying on top of everything else, because I agree with you, that intensity is not just sexual. It's not just in the way that they love one another. I think it really goes into every single layer. And this would be a perfect example of that. But on top of all of that, a huge part of Courtney's life is traveling. So yes, this was just getting their feet wet, but I think being able to share those experiences and now having this to hopefully show that he will be able to, I do think it adds to it, you know? Yeah. And also, may I add, there's no better way to get over if you're flying by flying Kylie Air. With Chris and Corey. I, I mean, I could probably get over my fear of flying on Kylie Air. I know. Actually, <laughs> you'd be knocked out. <laughs> I would be knocked out. I can't even be awake. I wonder if he, if he was knocked out. I, I Also, there was those reports that he was a little bit late to the flight, which of course it could just be LA traffic, like it most likely was. Or, you know, you wonder, did he have second thoughts? What was his thought process going in? What was his therapy session like that week? If, you know, if he's in therapy, I have a million questions and I would love nothing more than for him to, if he ever felt comfortable, like do an interview about that. Because I think being in somebody's mind, the morning of an experience that you know is so deeply intense for them would be really special to try to understand. Oh, definitely. I wonder how it went down because I remember in that men's health interview, the start of the interview was saying that Travis has a plan and, you know, somebody will take him and in 24 hours, that's all the notice he'll get and he'll get on a plane and he'll finally do it. 
I wonder if that's how it it went down or if there was more planning that went into it. That's another question that I would love to know because when that initial interview came out, I remember we spoke about that and said, that makes a lot of sense. Like I very much understand if you're him, why that would be the way that you want to go about it because having too much time to think about anything, especially something at this level, you probably would back out or have such overwhelming second thoughts that you would need a minute. Right. That's what I assume so as well. It's just a really special thing. And I feel like, I guess the best way that I can put it is if we're talking about it just in terms of their relationship, this was probably one of the biggest actions that we as the public could understand being so important. You know, I'm sure there are a million things that they do in their own lives that show the level of importance that they have in each other's worlds that we don't know about. But this is something that we thought about Travis Barker flying again way before Courtney. And so for them to do this together, I think we can recognize what that signals. And so it's just, it's a big fucking deal. And I am so happy for him. Absolutely. Yes. Because by the way, there would be absolutely nothing wrong if he said, I am never, ever doing this again. I will never get on another plane. Nobody would judge him or think twice about that. But the fact that he did, I think we can just all celebrate. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I totally would have understood that reaction a million percent. Another Kardashian-related thing we wanted to talk about was Kim being on the We Are Supported by podcast with Chris and Bell and Monica Padman. And it's basically a 10-episode limited series podcast. She started it out like the first second she got on by apologizing for being late. And she says, she's like, I have been late two times in my life, like in my business career, and this is the second. And their reaction was like, oh my God, we're so honored that we are the second. But she was so genuinely horrified. And I feel like it's something that we know because you know, I feel like we've gotten that sense of Kim, but she spoke about how in the earlier seasons, you remember the initial opening credit when she was late and they say Kim is always late. And she said that reputation really stuck with her and she resented it so much because she's such a prompt person in her life. So to have that kind of like start the episode, I felt like definitely set the tone. Well, that's also funny because we just recently watched that episode where she was late to everything with Chris and Chloe and it was driving them crazy and she was constantly lying and making up excuses. So it is funny hearing her talk about that reputation in retrospect. Yeah. And how it was one of the things that she kind of hated the most because she prides herself on being so on time, which I feel like is something we know of her definitely recently. Oh yeah. I liked how in the beginning she was talking about how you know, in their career early on, they did a lot of conflicting ad deals. And she said, she's like, I would do an ad for a weight loss product. And then that same week I would do a Carl's Jr. commercial. She was like, there was no cohesion. And I definitely wouldn't recommend that for everyone, but she was kind of just owning it and saying that, you know, it's crazy to look at now because they are so strategic with what they do and how they do it. And in the earlier days, it was all about just exposure and saturation. There was no such thing as oversaturation. And so, you know, the perspective she has now is not one she could have had at the time, but I love hearing her talk about that. It worked though. Like she needed to have that oversaturation in order to be able to then say no to things. So it is so interesting hearing her talk about it. And it's so funny. We were just talking about that Carl's Jr. commercial as well, where we were saying like the way she spoke about it at the time was like, she couldn't do anything because the Carl's Jr. commercial was like one of the bigger things that she had going for her at the time. But yeah, I think that oversaturation was essential to the place that they're at now because every single person knew the name Kim Kardashian. You couldn't look at a magazine stand without seeing her face. And that was so essential to their entire business model. Totally, totally. And, you know, another thing that she spoke about was how 
clearly she has a producer role on the show and she was very heavily involved in the editing at times. And, you know, this is something we spoke about a lot where it's kind of like they have shown parts of themselves that are so just like objectively unfavorable and were sometimes surprised they would be willing to air that. And she said, you know, I definitely was really good at removing myself from it and saying, okay, I do not come across great, but I'm willing to be the bitch of the week because for purposes of entertainment, for purposes of the audience, I think that they will really appreciate that. And she also spoke about how she said Kanye. I mean, she directly said, I don't know if it was because of my 10-year relationship with Kanye that I started to care a lot less about the likability factor. You know, she's like, I definitely was with somebody who could care less about being likable. And so she kind of alluded to the fact that that may have helped her in her producer role of the show because it was like, you know what, I'm going to put this out and I may not come across great, but it's really good television. And this was actually what was happening. And I'm going to prioritize that. Yeah, that is so interesting. And Kristen kind of responds by saying like, as somebody who historically has been a people pleaser, it is definitely helpful to be married to somebody who is the opposite of that. She was like, I start out every day with Dax saying to me, you know, the only person you're competing against is yourself and how like, it's not the way that she thinks, but having that influence in her life is very helpful. Yeah. Also, like, I I loved the conversation. I really did. I enjoyed it so much. I think all three parties involved are great, but it's specifically highlighted for me, more so with Kristen than with Monica, just how different Kristen and Kim were. Like, they were definitely finding, you know, moments of common grounds, and it was a very easy flowing conversation, but you can just tell they are such deeply different people in like every single way that they operate. Oh yeah. And I think that they both knew that going into it. Like, I think that obviously they can find common ground in their fame and in the circles that they run in and in certain aspects of their lifestyle. But I mean, Kristen and Dax are like historically a couple who are really like like to get down and dirty. They like to camp. They like to go to like farm, like that kind of lifestyle. It's really important to them. And they're so open about that. And that obviously is so different than Kim. But I think that it's so interesting for them to be so different and also be able to find that commonality between them. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, you know, the fame and they were talking about a lot perception versus reality and what people see Kim as. And then what she kind of actually is when you get to know her. And like, one of the smallest examples of this, but it happened within the podcast was when they first got on, I imagine that it was over Zoom and Kristen was showing her her nails because they have the same nail tech. And she was saying, you know, I can't believe it. She had me do longer nails and she's showing her and Kim kind of responds by saying, yeah, you know, she's the best, but she must be so bored with me because I only do nude. I only do, you know, I'll go from a pink nude to a beige nude. I do short nude nails. And Monica makes, which is exactly the same observation that I had of like, it's so interesting that Kristen was saying that to Kim, one, because they had the same nail tech and so she was making conversation, but also because she expected that Kim's response would have been somebody who can totally understand doing that type of nails because everything that she associates Kim with is just like over the top glamour and, you know, very out there with beauty. And so when Kim has actually a more muted approach it was like a really small subset of the perception versus reality example that they were talking about, which I just thought was an interesting moment. Yeah, so interesting. I liked it. It's definitely worth a listen if you care what Kim has to say. And just probably the point that I, one of the points that I think I liked the most was 
this is what you and I have spoken about so much. And I think we really talked about it a lot with the Andy Cohen interview of like, one of the rarest things that the Kardashian family has is that when they were experiencing fame, every single person in their family was experiencing it as well and how helpful that must've been. And that's what she said of like, this is not normal. You know, it's not normal that when I'm going through something and it's because of me as a celebrity in the media that every other human being in my family can relate to that. And like, I just loved hearing her talk about it because we say that all the time. Right. It is so true. And it's so interesting. And even to watch them now, like there was always the possibility that even though they were experiencing fame at the same time, that Kim would have skyrocketed above them, or it would have been just Kim and Kylie, for example. But even though their success kind of varies a little bit and they all have different interests and are known for different things. Their fame is as a family first and foremost. And I don't think that was always the expected trajectory, but that is the case. So even though they differ in like the billionaire or who gets to go to the Met Gala, the fame as a family is something that every single one of them can relate to on the same level. And it's fascinating to watch them do that. Exactly. It really is fascinating. And I can just imagine how helpful that must be because it almost like removes the isolation that you may very well feel if that weren't the case. Right. The other thing that I just wanted to mention, because I did speak a lot about, you know, criminal justice is she was saying that one of her potential goals is to start a firm where she pretty much prominently or solely hires formerly incarcerated people. And I just liked hearing her talk about this idea. I mean, at the time that this was being recorded, she said that she was waiting to get her results from the bar in a few days. And she was like praying and thought said she would be really upset at herself if she didn't pass. But, you know, we talk about so much her studying and this and that, but like when she transitions into, okay, what do I actually want to do with this degree? I loved hearing about that. I hope she passed the bar. I really am like praying. Me too. Me too. <laughs> People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. 
Okay. I know we got into this on the Kardashian bonus show. So if you haven't listened to that discussion and you care about the Kylie thing, it's worth going back. Julie, I know you and I were skeptics and I'm not willing to say a hundred percent certainty. However, I have started to become convinced. And I think if I had to choose, my mind is leaning more towards she is pregnant. I'm not sure. Are you 50, 50? Yeah, I mean, the most convincing evidence for me was that no one took a picture of her on her birthday. To me, that it, and I said this in the last episode when we were during the Kardashian episode where we were talking about this. To me, that is the most convincing evidence so far. It's so unlike them to not post her. And for her to do such a small thing, she usually does a big birthday. And I know that obviously with COVID kind of on the rise again, that that could have played a decision. But it still seems unlike her to not do something much bigger than what she did. So that's the most convincing evidence. I'm just not 100% sure yet. I'm definitely not 100%, but I really believe it more than I did. Like two or three weeks ago when that first nail TikTok went viral, we were saying like, okay, there's probably no legitimacy to that. Or even if she is pregnant, that's not why, you know, I don't know. We, we, Personally, for me, I felt like I was more of a skeptic and I don't know, you guys, not saying anything for sure, but I like would not be even a little bit surprised. No, I wouldn't be surprised either. But can I ask you if the birthday never happened, like if it wasn't her birthday last week and we had no knowledge of them not posting her, would you still be saying that you believe it or you would still be more skeptical? I think I would be more skeptical. I agree with you. The birthday was a little bit of a change in heart for me just because it's Kylie. If this was Courtney or Kendall, I would not think anything of it because that's more on brand for them, you know? They kind of keep those moments a little bit more private and they don't document it all and they they don't go as hard, or they don't go as all out. Whereas I mean, normally I feel like Kylie's birthday would have been a blowout even in the time of COVID, even if it was just the family. I just feel like the extravagance would have been higher but I don't know. I agree. I mean, listen, we're going to find out eventually. Yeah. I mean, we had this whole conversation last week about how clearly the way that she would go about it now would be different than with Stormy because it's not her first pregnancy. And we, you know, recognize that. But also the way that the internet latched on to her not saying anything and then just wanting to confirm whether it was even happening probably did something for her in terms of influencing how she wants to handle this one. So like, It'll just be very interesting, but that in combination with where we know her and Travis are at in their relationship, I just, like, I'm not saying it's definite, but I just want to go on record by saying I will be 0% surprised. And I think I'm personally leaning more to like the 60-40 yes, no. Okay. I can take that position. Yeah. You don't have to. You can take whatever position. No, I, I, think, that I, I think that I can get on board with that. <laughs> okay. Anything else that you want to mention that we're forgetting? I think that's it, kid. Okay, I think so too. We are now going to cut to our conversation with Benny Drama and Mary Beth Barone. I really like them as people. They're just kind, good, fun. We talked about a million things. Like we were just bouncing all over the place. And when I was listening back, I realized that (laughs) we kind of like circled around because I felt like we all had so many different things that we just wanted to talk about, you know? Yeah, they were so, we could have spoken for hours. We, We literally only had 30 minutes, but we could have spoken for hours. So less of an interview, more just pop culture, but I hope that you guys love it. And thanks for listening. We love you so much. We'll see you later this week. Isabel and I will see you on Friday for Bravo, which is going to be fucking phenomenal because the Salt Lake City trailer dropped. 
And uh, I think that's it. We love you guys. We are so excited to be here with two hilarious people, co-hosts of their podcast, Obsessed on Spotify, Mary Beth Barone and Benito Skinner. Hi. Oh my God. Freaking out. This is a dream come true, truly. We are so excited. I know we've been trying to make this work for the last, I don't know, month or so, I feel like. Okay. We didn't know that, but I love that. (laughs) I'm actually obsessed with that. Same. (laughs) Scheduling conflicts are so chic of us. I love this whole group. That's perfect. I said to Julie, I was like, I am so glad that we never announced it to our listeners because we basically would have like blue balled them for a month. You have to edge your listeners. That's what Mary Beth and I do. That's what we always do. Easter eggs constantly (laughs) promising things we don't deliver. It's like, whatever, Mm -hmm. we're doming them always. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You control the narrative. Let's get it. I love that. So tell anybody who, for some reason, isn't listening to your podcast, Obsessed, what it is, why they should be listening. I want you guys to give the little elevator pitch because it's really phenomenal. Oh my God. Thank you. Mary Beth, do you want to take it? I, you know, I like, I like hearing your voice. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, you're obsessed with my vocal fry. Seriously, thank you mama. so much. So Obsessed is a podcast where Benito and I spend 18 minutes exactly every single week. <laughs> talking about something that we're obsessed with. So we really dig deep and we look for these corners of culture that people might not know about, but we feel really passionate and we just want to get the word out. And it's just a really fun conversation. And we try to, you know, bring nothing but positive vibes. And it's just like a lovely little chance for us to chat and talk about things we love that we hope you'll love. Something that Julie and I talk about a lot is, and it's so evident when listening to your guys' podcast, just how much you genuinely like each other and like enjoy talking. We always say, I couldn't imagine doing a podcast with someone who you didn't genuinely enjoy their company, you know? Could you imagine? Just like so awkward. We (laughs) and I always love because like I think our podcast, like it, there's only one flaw. Um, there's It's crazy, but we do this part where we, we do convinced. And it's so funny because it's like we do always convince each other. But sometimes I think about like if I was with someone who wasn't a friend and at the end they're like, nah, I don't really love that. Like what, <laughs> what it would feel like, the energy that that would bring. Um, yeah, no, I love this doll. Absolutely. I think the best way that I can describe it as a listener is you're so mutually supportive. It's like very special, honestly, to listen to. Oh my God. That's so nice. Can we cut that though? Because we actually want reputations of being difficult to work with. (laughs) Yeah, we want to, we're actually hell. That's the vibe we're trying to give. (laughs) Spotify requested that we be hell in in all interviews about the show. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what we kind of wanted to do today is less of an interview. We just obviously have a million pop culture things we talk about every week. And mm-hmm. we want to get your guys' thoughts, commentary on some of the biggest ones, which I feel like we have to start out with J-Lo and Ben Affleck. And <gasps> yes. Yes. Like, just tell me, how are you feeling? What is your general energy surrounding this rekindling? Oh, silence. We don't say a thing. Because I'm utterly utterly speechless. (laughs) Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, it's so like on trend for some reason, like something of, I don't know if we as like 
you know, millennials have had this yet where kind of everything from our childhood is now back, Mm -hmm. but it's all happening at the same time. Like we're getting low rise jeans. We're getting like pop punk. We're getting Benifer. It's really just taking my breath away. We are stuck in that like early 2000s era and um, we're taking the good and we're not really bringing the bad. So yeah, they're really like, but JLo's having fun with it. Like she is giggling. Oh, she's having so much fun. And I feel like this just really shows that the simulation, it's cyclical, the the simulation that we're all in because it is so interesting that all the, like we're so obsessed with nostalgia right now. I'm sure maybe humans always have been, but I feel like those Instagram accounts that just like post random pictures of Kate Moss from 1993 are just like, (laughs) they're so hot right now. And so it's just nice to see, like, I think it's nice too to see people find each other again. Like if they're genuinely happy together, which it seems like they are, I I just think it's like such a flex to be like, I'm just going to get back with my ex. Like we were in the the Gigli generation. uh, So Mm -hmm. to me, this is just like, it's very cinematic and it feels very hopeful, honestly. Totally. Absolutely. Yes. It feels very hopeful. Also, wait, Julie, when she said that about the 90s Instagram accounts, that is such a small little thing, but that's such a perfect way to put it because I feel like every day we're just going through like 90s anxiety or, mm-hmm. you know, we grew up in the yeah. 2000s, whatever those. And I just, I can't consume enough of that content. Paris Hilton must be like, where the fuck did you get this photo of me? <laughs> She's like, stop <laughs> posting these photos of me. Like, where did you get she them? She loves it. <laughs> she loves it. That's our girl. Other kind of major celebrity couple, obviously very of the moment, is Kourtney Kardashian, Travis Barker, which uh, like- Absolutely. Guys, <laughs> we we got to get into it. I mean, do you- Let me start out by asking, are you feeling the same level of just sexual charge that we are from any photo? When he posted the video of her sucking his finger, yes. I was like, I need to go upstairs. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had to, yeah, I went on a walk. I went on a three mile walk. Um, uh, yeah, I have to say, um, I need to be involved in the wedding. You know what I mean? Like I need them. I want full marriage for Courtney. I mean that. I want, I want to see this through. I really do. I think it's epic. Also, how many times have they been to Nobu? I scream into the void. The, the limit does not exist. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it does not. I'm I like, know. wait, is it that good? Well, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, that's great. That's great to hear. Every yeah. day they just go to Nobu and then go to Montecito and then come back to Nobu and then go back to Montecito. Yeah. yeah. That's that natural human cycle that we're all in. I love it. It's cyclical. You were saying that, Mary Beth. I love that. I, it, it is. And I honestly, like, I respect Courtney so much as, like, a mom. And I think she is probably, like, a really supportive and loving partner. So I just hope that, again, like, if they're happy, I'm just, like, I can't criticize that. And also, it's kind of, like, hot to fulfill that, like, you know, dating a drummer fantasy. I feel like it is, I don't know, like, I don't know if reinvigorating or kind of just ignited something within her that maybe already existed where she's really leaning into it. And it's so fun to witness, isn't it? Well, it's like her friendship with Addison because I feel like in last season when everyone was like, what is it with you and her? Like, you guys are such a big age difference. I'm like, don't you see she's just like having fun? Like, she's having fun. What's confusing? You know what else is funny is like, it's, Exactly that trend of early 2000s things coming back around. Like the entire idea of dating Travis Barker is exactly that. 
No, it's <laughs> taking me back to like <laughs> Ashley Simpson and Ryan Cabrera. Oh, God. Oh, God. And there was nothing God. better than that. Nothing no, better. that was peak. No. That was peak mm-hmm, culture. Mm-hmm. We've been trying to figure it all out ever since. Ever Ashley, since. Yes. Ashley has the, she's got the codes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, she does have the codes. That was the golden <laughs> era. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wait, I want to, I, you just brought up Addison, which I wasn't initially going to talk about, but now I kind of want to. Like, can I just, <laughs> I just we have you're so like, many things. You brought, yeah, you're like, wait, you brought up something really specific. Well, I just in general am very curious about your guys' kind of feeling of this new generation of TikTok fame, you know, not even people specific, but just how this ability to become famous in this way has really started to create these careers. Like, what are your feelings on all of it? I think what's really scary to me is how fast all of it is. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I've been making videos on the internet for a really long time and it's been kind of nice to like figure out my voice and what I want to say in comedy and and then it kind of like naturally progressed to different things. Some mm-hmm. of these TikTokers are like, I literally own a company. <laughs> and that to me is like, oh my God, like how can you sleep at night? Like that that's so much so fast. So I think I really just, I hope the best for them because that just sounds really fucking scary, to be Mm -hmm. honest. And they're like all like 16. Yeah, like they shouldn't be expected to know what they want to do. But it seems like (laughs) with this fame, they're sort of, you know, picking a lane really young. And I have seen TikTokers make videos just about like the stress and anxiety and everything. And so I hope that they are, you know, have good therapists and Mm -hmm. they're working through that stuff and they have the like supportive families who are not like going to steal their money. So they won't have to divorce their parents like a lot of um, child stars in our uh, generation. But I actually saw the trailer for He's All That and I was like, okay, well, I'm definitely going to watch this. (laughs) (laughs) Mary Beth's flying in to watch it with me. We're coming too. Oh, you have to come over. Terry, oh my God, we're 50 minutes into this and I just mentioned Terry. So that was crazy. (laughs) It's not even my podcast and I have to bring him into this. But yeah, he'll cook for us. He really will. I will just say, like, now that this matters or you needed my opinion, and I know it's become a running joke, it never ever comes across to me as annoying when you do. Like to me, I'm I've become so accustomed to it where I appreciate it. I feel like he's in the room, honestly. Oh my He's god! The third character. Yeah, yeah, they. I always think that I'm gonna hear the ones where he does come into the room, and I like do the same bit that Mary Beth still laughs at, where I kind of like <laughs> yell at him, or I'm like, "Babe, like, are you serious? This is professional." Um, but I appreciate that. I think I not to be. Oh my god, Ernest. Uh, also, eleven minutes into this, but no, um, yeah, I think I think it also is really fun for me that people respond to it, and I, I think in a lot of ways, like I I like to show gay joy i think sometimes Mm -hmm. that is missing Mm -hmm. um from from a lot of things so yeah yeah, i appreciate that but it is fun that he's like such a running like i recently ran into some people who um you know listen to the podcast and terry was with me and they're like they got a picture with him not me (laughs) (laughs) i was like wait horse girl stole my goddamn thunder but his hair was blowing in the wind they did they were like wait it'd be so funny if we just got it with terry i was like yeah no that'd be super funny that's like us and your dad um that's that's literally us and my dad absolutely (gasps) wait wait okay you can't just bring up your dad like that and yeah we need more information what's going on 
No, it's just Julie and I, which is also something that I wanted to ask you guys about, because we, you know, from the very beginning decided that we wanted to be totally behind the scenes. So obviously yeah. people who, you know, listen to the podcast know who we are and I guess know our voices, but we're very much behind the scenes. We never make the the page really about ourselves. And I think just in general, the idea of fame kind of terrifies us, like personal fame. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... Fame. Me and Mary Beth are like, yeah, no, same, for sure. We're like, yeah, yeah. wait, we can't really relate. <laughs> yeah. But the reason I say it is because when you were saying this earlier um, about, you know, Addison and the TikTokers and just how they're handling it, I was going to ask you guys, I know it's totally different, but like you guys are very well known. And I just, I always wonder how how you're handling that as, as it's growing. I just feel like you're really blowing up recently. And I just wonder what that's like on a personal level. Oh my God. I have been thinking about it a lot recently and talking about it in therapy. (laughs) Cause I'm like, I know that I think people want, they want to be famous or whatever career path they want that will lead to fame inevitably. And then it's like, by the time you get fame, it's too late to back out. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, you just have to like let it wash. I think let it wash over you. I mean, I haven't had any rain bad experiences me. yet. I think exactly <laughs> rain on me. Um, people in New York have stopped me being like, oh, we love the podcast or like love your comedy, whatever. So it's all been pretty positive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as that, I don't know. I can't imagine anyone really spitting on me or anything like yeah. if it were to go negative. But I guess I say if the fact if the virus is done, then you know bring it on. Right. I will <laughs> say like. The podcast has been this really amazing part of of my work and like collaborative work, I think, because, you know, now if people do stop me, like it, it does feel so communal and they're always so sweet and it is so fun. And usually they'll like request a video or have me say like, hey, sexy mama. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been like really lovely. I think at times, of course, you get pushback. And if you really want to stand for something, of course, like you're going to get pushback. But for the most part, I feel like I I feel lucky that, you know, my work and Mary Best's work is seemingly attracting like a really open, beautiful community of people. Like mm-hmm. when we do, you know, we did our live show recently at Dynasty Typewriter in LA. And we both left just feeling like so happy because like the crowd was just, it was the dolls, which you both need mm-hmm. to come seriously. But yeah. um, it was just so much happiness and like, you know, the crowd and, and all the other comedians who were on the show and we had some musicians as well were just like that crowd was so giving and happy and excited. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I feel like, of course, there's some scary stuff that's going to happen. But at the same time, feel very lucky at who it's, you know, attracted so far and, and the people it's brought into my life. That's beautiful. I mean, that, that must have felt very kind of validating, right? Like that what you're putting out is being received in the way that you want it to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I was laughing. Like I did a, (laughs) I did like a, an event at Mac in Soho and I wanted to be Jenny, my like TMI hairstylist and my (laughs) boyfriend and I were on the way and I was laughing, thinking about, I was like, could you imagine if we just show up and it's just like MAGA hats and like, (laughs) like for some reason, like my comedy has reached a completely different audience and, or no one's there. Um, those are like two, my two fears. Um, but instead it was just like, Dolls in really neon eyeliner. It was heaven. That's <laughs> was what like, you want. This is That's perfect. really what you want. Yeah, yeah, I asked for nothing else, or like just like a bold red lip, and it was like you know a Thursday at nine a.m. So 
um, yeah, a feel dream. very, feel very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> it's a dream. Yeah. I, oh, I got, oh, I got here because I was saying earlier that, so all of that stuff with us, how like it terrifies us. So anytime we've ever posted anything front facing, it's been of my dad, like promoting a podcast or like oh, a celebrity will send us a PR fun. and I'll have him do the unboxing. <laughs> you just don't care if your dad gets harassed. You guys just don't want to get harassed. <laughs> right, exactly. yeah, so the big joke is that if we ever got stopped on the street, like they would only recognize him, not us. <laughs> That's incredible. We ride for dads on the podcast. Yeah. That should be our obsession. We're recording an episode later today. That might be it. By the way, dads are our obsession. <laughs> oh. Wait, I do have one question for you guys, if that's okay. Yeah. Is that allowed? Yeah. You, sometimes I, I find that every now and then, do you feel like some like celebrities want to be po- like have made a comment in order to be posted by you? Do you ever um, feel that way? I guess I don't think we'd ever go as far as to say as we are the first thing in their minds when they're posting. I feel like that just comes across as very conceited. But sometimes think- they're commenting on like literally such a niche meme, like that only like, I'm like you're up to something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's like the more general kind of realization or acknowledgement that comments now make headlines. And so if you want something out there, all you have to do is comment. And yeah. obviously our account kind of assists in helping that. But yeah, I, I, I'll definitely put it like this. There are some people who I think once they realized how visible comments were, they fucking ran with it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They're like, this is actually like half of my business. Without giving names, we see that the most. Julie, I think you'll agree with me. Tell me if you think I'm off here with like specifically actors or actresses that had one really huge role, let's say early 2000s, late 90s, and just cling to that and will take any opportunity to kind of infuse that into whatever the unrelated content is, Rachel. If any one of them was listening to this, they would have to like bow their head in shame because they knew it was about them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, text us right after. But wait, I'm thinking (laughs) me and Mary Beth doing that, like still referencing like things from so I should do that with like videos that no one watched of mine like I if I kept saying stormy after all these years maybe I should I'll bring people would love that though be honest people would love it (sighs) thanks love I appreciate that I wanted to ask you that actually because you know obviously is a huge part of your comedy was those Kardashian impressions that went so viral. And I think everybody, even whether you love the Kardashians or you didn't like them, you still loved it because it was playful enough that it was fun. And then if you really were against them, I think you like poking fun at them. What was it like when you realized for the first time that they were on board, they got it, they weren't offended. Even Jonathan is kind of getting into it. Like, what did that feel like? Do you know what I found out from you? (laughs) That's the best part. There was like a Christmas one and my boyfriend was like, oh my God, you're on like comments by celebs. And like they, Chloe has responded to the video. (laughs) And before then I was like, I, you know, I I like, I'm a very um, guilty. I have like nice Catholic guilt um, Mm. for my years in school. Um, So, and I, I obviously uh, know what it feels like to be bullied. So I never wanted to come across like that. And I, I, it's always like in good fun. I, my page Mm -hmm. is not a place of like intense hate. That's just not where my comedy comes from. Um, So yeah, knowing that it like landed in the way I wanted it to felt really comforting and like a nice deep breath and also allowed me to like continue doing it because I think it is so fun when people are in on the joke and then you can kind of take it from there. And like, eventually when Chris was in the video, it was like so much fun. Cause I'm like, we've played into this so much and now you get to see both Chris's together. And obviously you see that I've created like a character out of it. Like this is not Chris Jenner 
she's not the devil. Also, but, she called you like, a little bitch, which is like yeah, so iconic. Which to like me. writing that script for her and her, she came at it way harder than I <laughs> anticipated. <laughs> and that's when I knew that like she really is everything to me. She yeah. changed my life. Yeah. I mean, it's such high praise. If you understand what's going on, if you're somebody that's tuned in, you recognized how big of a deal that was. Like the amount of messages we got on our account when she was in your video was unbelievable. And it wasn't even us. Oh Oh my God. That's stop. Wow. I love the dolls. That's so, yeah, that was, that was really fun. I wish obviously, well, I just wish in general COVID didn't exist, obviously, but um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it would have been fun to have been actually in the same room, but um, she did say hi in the tape she sent. So it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah. And then she called me a little bitch, which is sweet. (laughs) It's amazing. Who do you guys think? I would say if I had to maybe say like one of our biggest obsessions, just to use your word that we talk about like a lot is who we think Kim is going to date next. Mm -hmm. And we never have come up with an actual person. It's always the male version of Amal Clooney has kind of become the overarching theme. What do you think? Amal Clooney. (laughs) (laughs) I think we just go straight to the source. Our answer for everything, Amal Clooney. Is Amal, yeah. Who do you think, Benny? That's so hard. I feel like, yeah, I want like a normie, but like the king of them. You know what I mean? Like a total. And she really just want she wants someone to watch Bridgerton with her, which I think is really beautiful. So I think someone, someone who also like really rides for his woman um, mm-hmm. as far as like the lawyer, the law practicing goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I Wasn't there... There was one rumor that she was with somebody for a while. and Van Jones. But then oh, yeah, she yeah, said yeah. on the reunion that it wasn't true. Sadly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe like a – oh, God, I don't know. Like a, it's hard, Just a right? total businessman. <laughs> we talk about that con- – just because in general, like we always say, you know – Talk about a few moments that are upcoming that will break the internet. It's like when Haley and Justin announce that they're having a kid or when Kim is seen for her first time with her new person or if there was another you know, non-award show rekindling of Jen Addison and Brad Pitt. My heart's, my heart's beating so fast right now. So fast. Pounding. Right? Right? <laughs> it's just exciting. It's, it's so good to have things to look forward to that just feel completely – there's no stakes. It's just like, oh, my God, we can just – all crowd around this this thing for a minute. Totally. Yes. That's why I think we're all loving the JLo and Ben thing so much because there's such a camaraderie here, you know? Oh, yeah. And nothing's Absolutely. happened. I feel like nothing has happened because <laughs> none of us have been out. So like even I kept thinking that recently. I'm like, I haven't really made that many videos that are like on something, you know? Like mm-hmm. I did an impression of of one of the teachers from Gossip Girl in my story. And I was like, that was kind of like one of the first things that I – kind of like had thought of that Mm -hmm. was tied to culture. Um, Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, not that much is – not that much good or kind of like fun poppy things are (laughs) happening currently. Um, Jesus. That's that's why I said to Julia, I was like, I'm so jealous of their format because you guys don't need necessarily a topical event. You just need something that you both are obsessing over, whereas for us, our kind of – format exists on a major celebrity event happening and when there's oh nothing God, happening yeah. it's kind of like you you're know. on your 12th benefer episode <laughs> like still <laughs> literally <sighs> was it did it used to be um ben affleck uh oh my god uh anna darmus 
Yes. Was that, yeah. that had to have been a huge, I mean, that was like, I only saw photos of them when we went into pan, like full shutdown. I only saw photos of them and like old photos of Harry Styles wearing clothes. <laughs> yes. Yep. First of all, same. Second of all, when he commented on her photo of her on the beach writing like photo credit, please, when we posted it immediately, I think that was honestly probably one of our most viral or most engaged with posts ever because oh people couldn't like the idea of Ben Affleck just in general commenting photo credit on his girlfriend's Instagram just feels crazy, doesn't it? It just feels like alien. Like, yeah. why is he doing this thing that normies do? Right. <laughs> and he's sitting next to her and kind of like poking at her. It is kind of hot. Oh, it's hot. I hate it. I think it's I think it's really nice, actually, the age that we live in right now, especially, you know, in regards to comments by celebs, because it's like with social media, I feel like it's kind of like paparazzi pics maybe just aren't as like valuable anymore because mm-hmm. celebrities are able to take control of their own narrative and i think yeah. it's great that they have this like immediate they can just re- respond to things themselves so immediately and like if there are rumors about those two dating and then you see ben affleck comment that he's just taking the power back which i think maybe celebrities didn't have as much in like the 90s and early 2000s totally yeah. totally which and you see that with britney britney too yeah. which is nice that's a dream of mine for you to eventually do some sort of a collab video with her. Like I know it sounds really far out right now, but I want you to know that me personally in my own life manifest that for you. Thank you so much. I just thought of this the other day. I'm like, what would I do if I ever saw her? Like, I just think I actually had a friend who um, lived out in a part of California. I'm not going to say where, just like on the off chance that someone crazy would, I don't know. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't trust anyone. Um, But she saw Brittany riding her bike and I was like, Oh my God. And she said, I was so happy. Cause it's like a very sweet friend of mine and loves Brittany. And she was just like, I love you. And I guess Brittany was like, I love you too. Like it was so sweet. And I keep thinking like what I would do. And I love that. Like she didn't ask for a picture. Like it was just like, I just love you. Just sending Brittany that love and that energy. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I really don't know what I would do if I saw her that would just, Oh my God. What I blows my mind is that she has a boyfriend. Like, imagine dating Britney Spears. Like, no, it's epic. Can He's you imagine? He's a lion and she's his lioness. Oh, yes. it's, like, it's so beautiful to me. It's, it's, I love it. It's the ultimate flex. No, I know. It's also, by the way, the way your friend reacted is how I think we all wish that we would, but I don't know if we would be able to keep our composure in that way. So <laughs> that's pretty impressive. No. I would have no. probably crashed on her bike. Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> I would have like ran in front of her and been like, halt. You know, like I would have like life sized. I would have let her run like, me over, Mama. I would have yeah. said she is heavy. As long as she was wearing a helmet, yes. Leave my body out across the dirt path at the park. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And she said she was wearing like little chino shorts, like her little J Crew shorts. I love those. She's just so sweet and on her cruiser, and she's just like trying to have a nice bike ride. But I'm glad it was. Yeah, it sounded like it. It was nice. So yeah. Wow. What a beautiful visual to end this to end this with. I just right? I want everyone to think about that. That's what yeah. we're going to do a guided meditation now <gasps> taking people through that experience. <laughs> I would love that. We love you guys. We are so appreciative. This was seriously so fun. You are the best. Do not forget their podcast Obsessed on Spotify. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. This was absolutely heaven. Oh.